What up, though? It's your boy, KG Kevin Gill, and you got it locked in while being driven through the Spanish announce table. The Spanish announce table. It is the Spanish announce table, episode 406 to be exact. Thanks for the shout out, uh, KG, the OG KG Kevin Gill, GCW commentator. Great guy, friend of the show. Tom, you're also a great guy. How are you? Oh, thanks. I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. I'm okay. It's happened. Yeah. Today was a day better than yesterday. <laughs> you know, it was, it was hard to be great today, but I managed it. was, you know, yeah. I found a you way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Found a way. Things, things <laughs> were required of me and I accomplished those requirements. And so it was fine. How about you, Tim? How are you? <laughs> Same here. You know, I it, maybe I didn't even accomplish the, the requirements. I gave it a shot though. You know what I mean? I, I really tried. So hopefully that counts for something. We did a team building <laughs> exercise at work, uh, oh, not team building, but like a, yeah. a fun little thing. We decorated Halloween cookies. Fucking Christ, Tim. I oh, have no artistic abilities. Oh, um, yeah. No, I can't draw nothing. You know what I did? Nothing. First thing I did, I, I, they gave me the, I asked for this cookie, you know, and I was like, what the fuck do I do here? And so I just wrote NWO on it. And I was like, there it is. There's my first one. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm going to do that next time. <laughs> Yeah, it's the carving a pumpkin, just gonna yeah. make NWO. <laughs> there there <laughs> it great. is. Everyone yeah. knows that. Oh man. Hey, Tim, last night was a fantastic episode of AEW Dynamite, so let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about it. You want to get right into it? Let's talk about it. I love AEW Dynamite. This one I figure to me, this one felt like a B plus, if I'm being honest. Um I thought there was some This one. Yeah. Yeah. This felt like before we kind of dig into it, my overall thought was this was a good one to get to the next big one. If you think about last week, we got that all time promo from MJF, but kind of like a Tootsie Roll a day, right? You have one Tootsie Roll a day. It's fucking great. There might be a couple days where you get like two or three and you're like, wow. But if you start to get two or three every day, <laughs> then you're building to a bag and then a bag of Tootsie Rolls a day fucking sucks. So sometimes you got to dip a little bit. And so yeah. this one was good but I think it's going to get us to the next thing. Well, and reminder to everybody watching live right now on YouTube, youtube.com slash Spanish announce tube. If you're listening back later on the podcast, uh, join in the chat with us live. Uh, Tell us what you thought as we're going along. There is a bit of a delay. So, you know, I I don't want to apologize for that. I didn't fucking make it. So uh, (laughs) it's what it is, right? Blame YouTube. Fuck them. But uh, follow along, chat with us. And even if you're listening back later on the podcast, you can use hashtag tweet the table. Chime in with your thoughts, opinions, predictions, and we'll read some of them on the show like we're going to do later. So, Tom, let's get into the AEW Dynamite. And speaking of Tootsie Rolls real quick, if you'd like to get us Tootsie Rolls, you can donate a dollar to our PayPal We'll always accept donations. We can also accept donations to be uh, for you to be our beer sponsor of the week. We will drink yes. your choice of beer, give you compliments, talk you up. Yep. Uh, so if you want to get all that information, go to SpanishDownstable.net. But Tim, as you mentioned, let's talk about AEW Dynamite. So it kicked off with the Ring of Honor portion of the show. It was Ring of Honor heavyweight champion Chris Jericho and the pure champion Daniel Garcia taking on former Ring of Honor champion Claudio Castanoli and former pure champion Willer Yuta. And this was good. I thought, honestly, of this tag match, this was probably the best showing since he's debuted for the company from Claudio. 
100%. That's exactly my biggest takeaway of this was, wow, Claudio really got a lot of good shine here. Uh, we even kind of ran back the spot of him running around the ring, popping anything that moves, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. Um, he's even kind of adding, and I don't know if somebody's training him up on this, but I don't know if you've noticed this, like before the spin, he kind of gets that, like he's hunch- almost hulking up, if you will, and kind of gets the crowd into it a little more. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I agree. I think I've seen more out of Claudio than I expected from Claudio. Uh, we'll see. And there's even more later, which I'm sure we'll get to uh, as we go chronologically, if I said that correctly, throughout the show. Yeah, and you know, obviously I think the big spot here was Daniel Garcia on his back, and then he does the big swing of Chris Jericho. So that was where we get the, oh, look at this. For people who don't know AEW or don't know Claudio, that's the thing that they'll probably remember as far as in-ring action. So we accomplished our goal. Now, this is the thing I thought was interesting. Claudio and Yuta get the victory. But the fallout from this felt like this match was the fork in the road for the JAS and Blackpool Combat Club. Now, I know later in the show we get Garcia versus Sammy Guevara, or excuse me, uh, uh, Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara. But I felt like post-match, if you listen to both factions, they didn't talk about each other. So after the match, Brian Danielson is being interviewed. And what I thought was a really cool spot, it wasn't the traditional check out the AEW background. It was almost like their gorilla position, which they named it after someone. And I apologize. I don't remember uh, what that's called. Well, it was named after more recent... um, person who worked backstage who had passed away unfortunately oh yeah yeah there there is there was like a um yeah somebody like a production assistant or something along yeah. those lines passed yeah and right, again right, right, i apologize right. i i just i didn't write that in my notes but i like the, the the position that they did the interview because it felt more raw and real so brian danielson's being interviewed by renee paquette who put on her walking shoes she was everywhere during this episode first time we see her is uh during this interview and she asked danielson uh, yeah, hey, what'd you think? You know, your team won. And he's like, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated I lost to Jericho. I'm frustrated that Yuta talked back to me. And as soon as he really kind of un- unfolds his anger to Renee, Yuta walks up because they just won the match and they just left the ring. He's like, I'm glad you're angry. Now we get it. Like, jackass. And then Danielson's like, are you talking back to me? And Yuta's like, I kind of am, you bitch. And Claudio has to be the one that says, hey, stop it. The funniest thing I thought, though, was that Claudio mentions that it's Yuta's birthday. Yeah. And so the last thing Danielson says as he leaves is happy birthday, Yuta. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the most backhanded happy birthday ever. I loved all of this, kind of what you said. A, it felt real because they were in this backstage setting, which you have done hundreds of events mm-hmm. in arenas mm-hmm. like this, and that is what backstage looks like, right? One million percent, like, yep. You, you know, we talk about locker rooms, but that's just, you know, they're open cubicles anymore, our locker rooms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're just open little, you know, dividers. And so, like, we don't get that a whole lot. Like, that's what it looks like, or it looks like, like you said, it looks like an like an empty hallway somewhere with a bunch of shit laying around because they don't have a storage room for it. Exactly. Uh, so I like that. Renee Paquette is five times better than anybody else that will do a backstage interview uh, at believability. 
and yes. you know what I mean? It just, there, so there is, I don't hate that. Yeah. There is yeah. a sense of charm and I don't even know if I'm using the right word there, but charm was what I think of when Tony Schiavone does it. There's just that sense of like, oh, good old Tony. Oh yeah. Doing so maybe she's not five times better than, than Tony. But um, Marvez. But five times better than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. She is better than Tony Schiavone. That is no slight on Tony of course, Schiavone. But maybe not five I'm just saying, times better. Yeah, but Tony Schiavone just has that sense of like, oh, yay. Because yeah. one of the things that he's done that I really appreciate is he's developed little uh, Tonyisms. where, for example, when it's with Britt Baker, he's always going to do the DMD because they're friends. So I like that that's part of his yeah. character is like he's not neutral. Um, but with Renee, she's awesome. Yeah. Like 100%. Uh, and side note, before I get back to this Claudio thing, uh, also with Tony, I love that he's visibly and outwardly frustrated with the people who are giving him shit. Right. Like, yeah. as we'll talk about later, like, he'll be like, Hey, fuck off. Right. Like right. this, I, I love to mean Gene for that, where he'd be like, you get your goddamn hands off me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I will fucking sue you. <laughs> right. Like yeah. love it because that's, I mean, again, it's more realistic. Not everybody has to be like, Oh, yeah. Scared of this guy who's five eight and one hundred ninety five pounds, right? Like, okay, let's let's move on with this now. Claudio again, I think, is the guy who shined in this. He looked like Daddy coming in to stop the fight here. I, I like that Wheeler's getting. Hey, he said he came here to learn violence. He came here to you know get to that next level. Well, now maybe I'm not just here to be your your student, right? Like maybe I've learned enough, and maybe I learned that you suck. You can't pull your head out of your ass, and I need to save you. It's very interesting because this is really a story, if told correctly, I think is going to be a story of the year for AEW. And the reason I say that is because if you look at Yuta's trajectory in Blackpool Combat Club, he didn't come in under Brian Danielson. He came in getting his ass beat by John Moxley. Now, yeah. Danielson also beat him, but like the initiation took place from John Moxley. So now we don't know really his 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 feelings, but it seems like hey, I learned from the, the most violent of this group. I'm good to go. Brian Danielson, you need to like get with it. And so now he's kind of bumping up to one of the founding members in a way that is different because It wasn't him that really initiated him. It was Moxley. And then you have Claudio, who is an elder, right? One of the uh, uh, elder statesmen of Blackpool Combat Club. And he really has no association with anyone except for, I like him, right? I like all these guys, but I'm not team Yuta over team Danielson. I'm team Blackpool Combat Club. So cut the shit. I like that. I think, and we'll see what happens here. I think what we're going to get is Danielson versus Yuta at the pay-per-view. Assuming we do that, that's the story that I'm most interested in is because do we say, hey, old lion, the new lion is here to take over, step aside, or is it Danielson has his ego unchecked and, hey, fuck all you guys, I'm the best here, don't you assholes realize that? So I'm very interested to see the story, and this was the first step in that kind of bumping into each other aspect. So it is interesting with the Blackpool Combat Club in that, I mean, they're instantly at a level of attention 
due to having John Moxley and Brian Danielson. You could argue in the top three, if not you know five, of the people they have on that roster, right? Of notoriety, of wrestling, yep. right? So you normally don't get that with factions. So you could lose a one of them for sure, but I also feel like both of them, Prob- they don't really need this Blackpool Combat Club. It's nice to build a story around when you don't have another idea. But John Moxley, I mean, being the world champ, if you if you're not using the Blackpool Combat Club to your advantage, then it's it almost is kind of like a, oh he's there right like right. so I just kind of to me you know yeah work that get Brian Danielson away maybe then Moxley's the the head guy ish but it's mm-hmm. Regal and then maybe Moxley just whatever's like hey guys like I gotta you know I mean I gotta go it's time for my I vacation my this has been shit. fun yeah. yeah right and he's gone and then you got William Regal and maybe Claudio's the leader and then we get a couple others underneath right it's a three-man group with Wheeler and somebody else or a or whomever, right? I, I like. I, I'm not asking for that right now, but that I think would still be one of the best factions you have in AEW. So I think there's a million ways you can go with this. Yeah, and on top of that, going back to the interaction that we saw on screen, one person that we did not mention was William Regal. Now he was on in picture; he was there, but he didn't really step up. He kind of was just like. Hey, I'm going to let these guys fight it out, see what happens. And maybe that's his role. I'm interested to see where he comes, right? Because yeah. he's been the one that's supposed to be mentoring the elders, right? The founding right. members, the Moxleys and the Danielsons. So what does that mean for him well, with Yuta? There was even a subtle moment there where Claudio was like, hey, shut the, knock it off, right? And he was like, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go kick his ass. Like, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk this out. And he kind of gives them both the look, and he even kind of looks over at Regal. Regal's like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, all right, right? Like, fucking, I mean, that could be the thing. Regal could be like, hey, I saw it. Like, he's primed it. Maybe that's it. You could take the whole heel faction. Danielson leaves, whatever. Like, he does this, th- right? He's out because he's like, fuck Wheeler Yuta, right? Maybe Brian Danielson becomes a, a heel against the Blackpool Combat Club. But later, like, you can turn the Blackpool Combat Club as, like, heel by Regal being like, it's time, Claudio. You got to be ruthless. And he takes out Moxley, right? Let's say Moxley loses the AW championship to somebody. And that's when Regal's like, I knew he didn't have it. It's time. Could take him out. And then Claudio takes him out. Then you get this Moxley Claudio feud for a while. Like, again, could be fun. a whole bunch of ways you could go with this because it is so multifaceted. Great stuff. Could be fun. Now, let's get into the the talking point of the night, I think from the IWC and probably every wrestling podcast you're going to listen to this week, which you should only listen to ours. But if you listen to others, you're going to hear this. If you're listening to others, my advice would be listen to ours twice first. And then. (laughs) Yes. Right. Right. So the talking point of the week was there was a video package after this backstage segment of the elite. And it seemed very uh, for comic book fans, Thanos like with the disintegrating of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, they were going to the foundational moments of all elite wrestling. Yeah, the, a lot of footage of those moments the, the press conference, the winning of titles. Yeah. And those things disintegrating or evaporating, whatever you'd like to call it. And the last thing that you see is the AEW logo. And the E 
is then first taken away, and then yeah. so is the rest of the company. Which or, is a subtle point, logo. too, right? So the elite was taken out first of all elite wrestling. And now, then could the that rest be, of it right? out. So, Tim, let's put on our booking hats, right? Let's Ooh, have some yeah. fun here. What are we doing with the elite? It looks like they're coming back. If I'm giving you the pencil, here it is. How are you writing this? If you're giving me the pencil, how I'm writing this is Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and I think even Hangman. Maybe Hangman needs a little convincing, but Hangman was in that. Hangman was in that. He was in that uh, right? video package. I just think with current storylines, you know, I mean, it would take some work, a couple weeks to get Hangman, maybe. Or unless that's a big reveal later as a shock and all, right? So anyway, what I'm getting at here is they're mad at Tony Khan. Like, wait a minute, I got suspended, bro? Like, dude, this was us. We brought this guy in later because we were like, hey, we just need something to get us over the top. Now you treat us like we're equals? He's suspended and we're suspended? Fuck him and fuck you. Like, give you don't get to call this all elite wrestling anymore. It's because of us. So if you kick us to the curb it's not elite anymore this is and fucking it all falls you know, apart call it roh or something like whatever like it sucks anyway right like and then there, he's like uh i mean no i own the rights to all elite wrestling right like says right here like sorry guys let's let, like let's work this out and they're like no fuck you we are going to burn this shit to that we will rather watch it die than watch you take the fucking name and so they're all uh, nwo because i mean they love to write copy this they're breaking shit they're not letting matches happen they're not letting fucking title changes go down they're just like fuck you they're interrupting shit left and right causing a ruckus until we settle it squared away a hero comes along and saves all elite wrestling name from whatever i like that i'm i'm somewhat i somewhat have the same idea that you do so this is what i was thinking is the thing that i that caught my eye is how Again, with the logo of AEW, the E goes away first, and then the rest of it crumbles. I think that right. that's uh, a symbol. It's a key of point. When it's you, a very key point. Yeah, I think that's a symbol of once you take us, the rest of this stuff falls apart, right? So what I would do, if I have the pencil and here it is in my hand, I'm bringing them back as heels. But again, they're gonna get cheered. I'm not bringing in Tony Khan. Tony Khan is too much of a wild card. Oh nerd. yeah, I mean, yeah, you you have somebody in lieu of Tony Khan speaking. Well, in in fact, it might be him. better. They're like, let us talk to Tony, and he was like, eh, t- Tony's Tony has media well, to do later. No, I'm not mentioning. Tony oh, you're not even mentioning Tony Khan. No, fuck him, because he's too much of a weirdo. I don't want him on screen. He, he's going to ruin the segment. Oh, that's what I mean. This is how you don't get him on screen. Is somebody else to speak? They I, can't get to Tony Khan. Right. right. But what I'm doing is I'm bringing them in. Again, here's the pencil. Like it or don't like it. Hashtag tweet the table. Let me know. What I'm doing is the elite. I'm calling them the elite because it's all three of them, right? The elite costs John Moxley the championship at full gear. That's how MJF becomes your heavyweight champion, right? And the reason the elite went after John Moxley is because the Blackpool Combat Club outside of Willer Utah is all ex WWE guys. And that's the fucking problem with AEW. So their beef is with all of these ex WWE guys. The first couple years when it was just us and Moxley didn't have Brian Danielson, everything was great. Did you see, did you ever hear of anything going on backstage? 
nothing. And then we added Danielson. And then we added Adam Cole. And then we added CM Punk. And then this stuff started falling to the ground. Best storylines have kernels of truth. Right? right. And then that's where you do Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club. In the midst of this faction warfare, that's where the cracks are showing in the Blackpool Combat Club. You have that happen, whatever it is. But this is your storyline. If you, I always like to involve everyone. I think it's more fun when everyone's involved because when something's there, everyone has an opinion. And so it's weird for like someone to be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What is Kenny Omega doing? Like everyone knows, right? If you want to get crazy, you put the, you put the line in the sand. Here's Blackpool combat club and the WWE way of doing pro wrestling. Here is the elite and their way of, philosophy on pro wrestling you pick a side and then you have teams that's where we talked about this a few weeks ago but that's how you can have teams break up swerve strickland and keith lee boom they can go their separate ways because of this like you can have it all go through but i'm bringing them back as heels first because they're going to get cheered because it's a surprise everyone loves the surprise even if it's the damn devil who makes his debut right but I think once you give them the opportunity to talk, they're not strong on the mic and the anti elite guys, because they're still punk fans. They ain't going away are going to start to boo. And you just play into that. And then you could have a pick a side, right? You could like uh, the Blackpool combat club. I could like the elite. That'll never fucking happen, but you get what I'm saying. Like that's where we could go with this. I think that's you more have a young buck shirt. It's not. I got it from the AEW crate. I do have. Dude, a, you put it on. Yeah, I do have a Kenny Omega. You're like, look, I need to do some plumbing, so I put on. Yeah. <laughs> but I would, and I would even have them talk about how John Moxley's changed. I would have them say we're going after the Blackpool Combat Club because John Moxley has changed with this WWE way, or he they can say sports entertainment and even include like the JES. You know what I'm saying? But like. This company is going to shit because of those people coming here. We are better without them. And that's the fucking story. Yeah, I don't huh? hate it. I, I I mean, I think either of these works. I I just want, and this is kind of something you addressed. I, this was fun. I liked this Thanos snapping, like, because it's piqued my interest. What's going on? It's got up. Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? Will they be heels? Will they be baby faces? What I don't want is another one of these videos with more moments next week with no furthering explanation, right? There better be something reminiscent of a, uh, not reminiscent, but you know what I mean? Like along the lines of a mission statement or, well, or a purpose, something right next week. Give me something a little more. It doesn't have to be a whole lot more, but just advance something because what we fear and you brought up this fear to me offline is similar to the Bray Wyatt situation. This could go on for weeks with no real advancement. It could it's just too be much inside thing. baseball. Yeah. yeah. It's too much inside baseball. Like, you know why we weren't here. Wink, wink, wink. It's like, no, my father-in-law just had hip surgery and he's bored. He's trying to watch some TV. I told him to watch AEW. He doesn't know what the fuck this means. Yeah. I heard somebody bring this up and I forget me where, right. It was on some sort of media that I consumed where, there's a lot of people who watch wrestling who never get on Twitter to follow it, never look up a dirt sheet, 
ever. So to them, maybe if they were like, oh, CM Punk, oh, he, he I heard he won the AEW championship. I'm going to check it out the next day. They tune in and they see Tony Khan being like, there was an incident, had to strip the title. I'll be like, okay, CM Punk's gone. I'm out, right? Like they don't know this stuff, right? And maybe you kept a few around because they were like, oh, the show was fun. Mm-hmm. But they don't know, right? Like they, they may know vaguely that they were involved in something, but some people don't know and they don't want to have to look it up, right? That's true. And that's why with, with the idea that I was thinking about is when you identify the other, because if you're a casual wrestling fan who, who has came across AEW, the chances are I'm going to bet that you're aware of Chris Jericho, you're aware of Keith Lee. Again, you sure. might not know those guys as far as like their number one match of their career or what titles they held, but you'd be like, oh yeah, I've seen these guys before. And that's where the people you're not familiar with identify them as the enemy. And you go, well, wait a minute, I thought they were good guys. And then here we go. Here's the interesting thing that could hook you. So in kayfabe, we've identified what really happened, right? So then the IWC and the the dorks that are doing podcasts like us can be like, see what they're playing on? That one incident when Punk said that he was, uh, was afraid that Hangman was going to shoot on him? That's what they played into this week, right? So we get our fix, but then the casual fan will be like, oh, they don't like the outsiders coming into a company that they started. That makes sense to me. I can understand that. Let's continue. So that's where you play it because you have to address it. If you never address it and keep doing the, you know, yeah, fuck. Well, because that's the thing here is again we don't fact check. I don't have a data, you know, database here Mm -hmm. in front of me to look this up. But if I had to guess, I would say the majority of people who watch professional wrestling television in the United States, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. AEW skews a little more. Away from what I'm about to say here, but the majority of people who watch professional wrestling television product in the United States only consume the television product in the United States, right? They're not going on Twitter. Like I said, they're not pulling up, you know, Meltzer.com or whatever the fuck he's on. Is he, he's Tim. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this just from my personal experience or something, whatever the fuck he is. You know what I mean? I'll tell you my personal experience just for me, I am married and her family does a great job of trying to include me in conversations. So they will try when they think about it to go out of their way. They really give it a try. They really, they're like, Oh, we really got to involve Tom somehow. Yeah. And so he's not going to come up to what we're talking about. So we got to find something that he'll look. I'm watching Nebraska. I'm watching Nebraska. football. They're watching. That's I'm sorry about that. Yeah. So what I'm getting at though, is when they come to me, right. The next gathering, we go over there for dinner or whatever. And my brother-in-law is like, explain this orange Cassie. Okay. Well, that's fun. I can do that. Right. Like it, it piqued his interest. I can explain who that is, but when they're saying Bray Wyatt, where did he go? What happened? Why? What's happened? Like when that's not explained, then I look like an idiot of like, well, just give it a little bit more time because eventually like he's going to tell you why he left. And it's fucking Can dumb, I say man. something first of all, like outside of what, you know, this is a pro wrestling podcast where we're talking about pro wrestling. We're talking about AEW Dynamite, but you brought up your in-laws mm-hmm. and I, I, I feel like I have to address 
how awesome these people sound now that like they are on their own not like when you're at the house they're like all right i guess we'll pull up this wrestling they're like tom's in our family now we want to engage tom and think about my family has shit on pro wrestling (laughs) from the age of three yeah and like is not, I can't. My wife won't even watch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. She's just like, no, nah, you do your fucking stupid show, do whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever makes you happy over there. Um, this is amazing. If, and of course, I mean, your wife is amazing, and is that kind mm-hmm. of person as well. Uh, Tom, oh, what lies are you telling these people that you're? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what wool have you pulled fortunate. over their eyes? <laughs> I am very fortunate. But to get us back on track, when when <laughs> they are trying to get into something. And they don't know what's happening. I oh, and they're very smart the people. Right. Another thing but to I, said, like they are like top level intelligent people. So if they're not oh, getting yeah. it, something's well, up. And, yeah. And then on top of that, when I have to be the one that peels back the onion, the story isn't as good. It's better. Right. If I were to tell you the plot of The Wire, I could tell you. But it's way cooler if you watch season one of The Wire. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You ever have to explain a joke to somebody who didn't get it? It's just never yeah. funny, right? Like, that's right. that's what's happening there. And so if you have to explain the moment of why everyone freaked out, man, it's not as cool. It just isn't. It, it just isn't. Anyhow, let's get back into our breakdown here. So we covered our Elite uh, video package. Then we go backstage again. And this is where I was talking about. JAS goes one way. And Blackpool Combat Club goes another way because backstage Garcia and Jericho are interviewed and Jericho's like, hey, I'm pissed. That was stupid. Claudio cheated. Now I'm going to take it out on every Ring of Honor person. I don't care who it is. So again, not mentioning Blackpool Combat Club, he's doubling down on the destruction of Ring of Honor, which is good. I'm kind of tired of JAS and Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah. Well, he says next week, any former champion, you come... And and you get these hands, uh, and I'm gonna fight you. So who do you think he's gonna mentioned be? a couple times even that he didn't care if it was a f- a woman. Yeah. Um, has there been a there hasn't been a woman ROH like typically male title holder? Has there? I don't know much about the ROH lineage after a while. Um, but I also I think AEW's addressed that they don't want to do that. No, I think that was just to get stuff. you to peak interest, right? Yeah. Um, well. One thing that really stuck out to me is the thing that we have hit the or rang the bell about a thousand times with AEW is as we addressed earlier with the elite saying, God damn, you keep hiring all these WWE people and everything was great till they showed up. Um, no more hires need to be made in front of the camera. They need to be made behind the camera because once again, production issues, they have production issues at the rate that we do. And we (laughs) do a free podcast off of our home laptops. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's, it's so bad. We might put out a a show once in a while that has no production issues, but they never do. It always is something. And you couldn't hear half of what they were saying here. The microphone was out. You saw the boom mic underneath the camera. Like that was high school, high school yeah. local access television. It was just that's the bullshit. stuff. Honestly, that's the stuff. So we both have journalism degrees. What they will tell you is the audio needs to be correct before the video is. 
people will change the channel faster when the audio goes bad than they do when the video goes bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just one of these things where it's like if you if you're not op- again mistakes will happen. You can do everything you think and. Um, you know, like, XFL, yeah. somebody pulls the plug on a generator or whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yep. whatever happens. But it was bad. But at least they got it kind of under control and they played it off well. You could tell Tony was flustered and they start giving him shit and he's yelling back. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, you got the gist of it. I, the Jericho Appreciation Society, however, it did hit me with a visual that they have so many members that this looked like soap opera actors accepting a daytime emmy up here on this interview it was like 12 motherfuckers out here on stage mm-hmm. and it was like all right well, let's maybe we can cut hager and a few of these off to the side for this interview oh if i had my way again i'm gonna put the pencil back in my hand the one thing that i'm doing that i've been i feel like saying on this podcast for about a year now is Make me miss Chris Jericho. I know that apparently he is the highest paid or before punk. uh, You know, he was the highest paid. Now he's second or whatever, whatever it is. But like he's up there. So you got to get your money's worth. But it's I mean, Tim, it's every fucking week with Jericho. And we're at the point. No offense to him. But there's other people at his level that we could also watch. There's a Danielson. There's a Mox like, and I know Moxley's been a little overexposed as well, but like, I'm tired another of Jericho. Thing, well, another thing about Jericho is I know Jericho loves to reinvent himself, but I think sometimes he thinks he reinvents himself when he goes, well, it's Chris Jericho, the Ocho now, when that's the same thing as the champion, right? Can we yeah. say that like, it, you yeah. have not changed gimmicks since you came into AEW, right? It's well, been you did the pain maker. It's been, I'm, yeah, but still, I mean, that I was know, a, I you know what I mean? Yeah, I, it's I know. still like, I'm a superstar. I'm the best. I've got this crew of fucks to help elevate me, which is a great, fine story. I mean, we tell that with, with aging veterans all the time, right? Like I keep my status elevated by having younger people do the work for me, but we're not telling that part of that story enough, right? We did. With the whole Sammy Guevara thing for a little bit, I think, right? And then the the split up with him and MJF and kind of those things where, but like, he's not using these people enough, if that makes sense for me. That's the part is, again, I don't like WWE. Everyone knows that. But the thing I will say that they do really well with the bloodline is Roman Reigns is not there every week. Yeah. So it makes me understand that when you say Roman Reigns is on this Friday, something's going to happen. But when Chris Jericho is wrestling the matches and then is the leader, it's too much. That's where we need Matt Menard in that match with uh, Daniel Garcia. That's where we need uh, Cool Hand Parker or whatever is it like, or, or even, I mean, you said it sucks, but like someone else, you said it, Matt Menard, that guy, more of that guy. Right. But uh, yeah, if, if you Jericho's didn't, if you didn't catch a W dark elevation this week, yeah, very Fucking good. Commentary, what? Matt Menard. But anyway, but like you're saying, it's this idea of like the, him leading the faction should also build the people in the factions. And MJF took advantage of it when he was in there, but that was because he was in there by design for that moment. Right. So it's just, it's, yeah, he should be using these people a little more. Like with Roman Reigns, we get that like he seems to not really give a fuck about these people. He's got them gaslit into believing this is about the family and lineage and the whatever, but it's about him winning every fucking thing and and that's kind of what the story is with jericho appreciation society it's in the damn name jericho appreciation right 
And so let's have these guys appreciate Jericho a little bit more by having them do the stuff. And Jericho doesn't need to be seen this week. That's the part where I'm getting, I, I, I don't need to see him. I don't need, again, make me miss you. Go away for like three months. And I'm like, man, remember Jericho was doing that singing thing with MJF? I wish he would yeah. do something like that. But and then even, he comes back and does whatever. Even if it wasn't three months, like you said, with Roman Reigns, if we got it where Jericho was here one week and then two weeks, maybe he wasn't. And then maybe two weeks he was, and then a week he wasn't, and then a week he was, and then a week he wasn't, and then two weeks he was, and then two weeks, you know what I mean? Like, just switch it up. You can still yeah. advance the storyline with, hey, Jericho's, because again, he's the rock star. He's the part, he's jet setting all over, and they go, Matt Menard and, and Cool Hand, whatever his name is, are in the back. And here's how Matt Menard is so good. We don't forget his fucking name, right? We forget the other guy's name, who's good. We like him. Oh, he great. does all those things. But yeah. we, anyway, so yeah. there, somebody's like, Where's your fucking boy? I'm going to kick his ass. And they're like, hey, he's too fucking busy. He's over in Japan signing fucking contracts. Fuck you. Right? Like, yeah, that's what you get. And then they're like, all right, well, then we're kicking your ass. Be like, you think you're kicking our ass? Bring it. Mm-hmm. This is easy. This is not hard. Even if you have Jericho there, absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know what I and mean? And another thing, and another thing is we've gone to all the cities a couple times now everyone sang the fucking song i get some people bought the tickets the first time around right after the pandemic because we all wanted to sing the song i was one of them i wanted to go i wanted to sing the song but they've been to kansas city twice now like the second time i didn't need to fucking hear it and so that's what i'm getting at is go away pal anyhow let's get back into our breakdown here uh next up we had i guess a number one contender's tag team match but ftr is still the number one cont- i'm confused on this but it was a very very good match ftr oh yeah ver- mm-hmm. versus swerve in our glory and swerve in our glory the acclaimed are the tag team champs ftr is the champions of the rest of the world those two teams are probably one two in the pecking order i love both of those teams to me after this match, the most interesting tag team is Swerve in Our Glory. So what we have here is a kind of back and forth. But as we get to the finish, we get Swerve Strickland does the Kansas City cut punt to bald FTR as Keith Lee. Here's the point that I want to make here. Keith Lee does not see that. And then uh, the ass boys have the other FTR guy you know, pinned to the guardrail. Another thing that Keith Lee doesn't see, or at least that's what we're told. Same with the ref. Keith Lee gets the victory. Swerve in our glory becomes, I guess, the number one contenders. But the most interesting part is this has shades of Sting and Lex Luger as a tag team, where Sting was your number one guy, baby face. Hey, everything's great. And Lex Luger's doing the one where it's like, Hey, fuck this guy, right? I'm the man. Woo! And he's like, no, 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 we're cool. We're cool. We're awesome. And then they get in there, and then Lex Luger kind of does a little cheap thing and sings like, what'd you do? He's like, nothing. What do you mean? And then it's this butting of heads where they like each other. They're good friends. One's a prick, and the other one's a pretty good guy. Tom, great reference with the Sting and Lex Luger. Sting and Lex Luger was one of my favorite teams as a kid for that reason, because... Tim, if, if when we, you know, we're going to be kind of branching off into like other podcasts and, you know, collaborating and stuff, people aren't going to like me and they're going to love you. 
but like we like each other and so like how yeah, many people it, don't like me <laughs> you know like yeah, you're like yeah, you got I, I got three friends <laughs> exactly. but like that's the most interesting thing is because typically when you meet a group of people or a pair of people by nature you're gonna like one a little bit more than the other you might say they're both great but you're gonna lean one way oh i can tell you which of our fans like you more or like me more just based on over the 10 years here of their yeah, exactly. the way they speak to us right? yeah and so that's what's interesting about swerving our glory is keith lee and we're being told maybe the reveal is he was in it the entire time and so that changes the dynamic but the story that I think is being told is Keith Lee is thinking we're on the up and up. We're doing all this stuff, you know, honorably. And, and Swerve Strickland's like, nah, fuck that shit. If I hit him in the dick, I'm going to hit him in the dick. Whoop! And so I love it. They are the most interesting tag team to me. Uh, now, I don't know what we do. I guess it's part three, Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed. How do you feel about that? Even going back to your reference, <laughs> there was the moments of like, Sting was kind of annoyed with Lex Luger when Lex Luger was like, no, man, we're the shit. I'm, I'm fucking, I'm tough. And when Sting's like, would you shut the fuck up? And we're getting that same kind of energy yeah, here with Keith Lee. Told right? Swerve Strick. Yep. Uh-oh. I think we might have lost. Oh, you still so, there? Okay. Yep. Nope. We're, Froze yep, up for still a there. All Sorry. right. Yep. Yep. All right. So what do you think you about were saying, part yeah. three? Swerve in our glory versus the acclaimed. How does that work out for you? So that's what happened, right? Swerve in our glory is the victors of this, technically? Yeah. And so it looks like FTR is going to go feud with the ass boys, which is fine. I think eventually, as much as I love FTR, and I think everyone in the IWC is wanting the four titles for FTR, I think it's a more interesting story if they lose all of those championships to then focus in on the grand prize which is the aw championship so i wouldn't personally hate it if the ass boys became your ring of honor tag team champs oh that's but, a great idea that's a great idea i did love the ass boys out here they're they're dressed up as everybody's favorite local cops they are being FTR. assholes right yeah ftr and they yeah it was interesting the way they did this where they interfered for seemingly benefit of people they also don't like right but they just also don't like these people more right so mm -hmm. again some real life subtleties of like why these motherfuckers do that so hopefully we'll get a better answer uh, coming up next week but i i think the ass boys the guns whatever we're gonna call them are in a good spot here where they're kind of that team that like they're good mm -hmm. i don't think they're bad i don't think they're great I don't think they're like a lead or anything like that, but I think this is a good spot, right? Put them in with FTR, and let's see. I, I wouldn't hate FTR. FTR's got three fucking titles. They can stand to lose one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think them losing the Ring of Honor and then having the Ass Boys on your Ring of Honor television program whenever that happens, which seems sooner rather than later, I think that's the move. And then you elevate FTR to the A show, which is Dynamite. A W. All right. After that whole debacle and fun, uh, we go backstage into what was the most confusing segment of the night. You have Renee Young, or excuse me, Renee Paquette back there. She's interviewing Soraya, and they're like, "Look at this! This is so much fun. We're all together." And before they even get into the, I guess, uh, point of the interview, 
Britt Baker walks in and Saraya is like, don't even do it, you bitch. Like, I liked it. She's like, I'm not. Nope. You're a bitch. I'm tired of this. Stop. But they start to yell at each other. Renee has to use her mom voice and stop the shit. Britt Baker leaves. But then that's the segment. So what if Britt Baker, I said this on on our Twitter at table show because I live tweet during AEW Dynamite and AEW Rampage. But if if Britt Baker doesn't interrupt, what were we going to do with Soraya talking to Renee? They just stopped. They're just like, well, okay, well, I guess that's it. Like, you can continue the interview. She's gone now. Like, talk. It just, they stopped. Yeah. They went to commercial. It made no yeah, sense. Yeah, if nothing else, yeah, I think maybe you just throw in at the end of like, all right, well, let's get back in the interview. And somebody's like, no, we're out of time. You know, like, yeah. shots from off screen. You're like, oh, well, fuck. And then it's like, God fucking. And that, that right. could have made more sense, right? Mm-hmm. Renee looks and says, oh, we're being counted down. I'm so sorry. We'll get to this later. Okay. But they just, Stop. They just stay whoop. tuned for a, a YouTube exclusive something uh, interview. They did nothing. It was very, very odd. Uh, so we go to a commercial. We come back. We get more a pocket. Like I said, she put her running shoes on and she interviews MJF and Tim. This MJF interview. What? Tell me what you thought. Uh, I what? So we're still getting this. I don't know what MJF is, right? Is he heel? Is he face? He even kind of addresses it. He's like, "Hey, listen. I mean, I, I I'm gonna earn it. I'm doing the match, but like, I'm st- I'm still gonna be MJF. I'm not gonna, you know. What I mean, like, I may not play. I may not fight fair. Like, fuck out of here. Which kind of defeats the point of what he said earlier. So that was a little confusing for right when he hands the chip in. He's like, for the first time in my life, I'm gonna earn it. Well, but if you cheat in the match. But he said he wasn't going to use the diamond ring. He did say he wasn't going to use the dynamite diamond ring, which, look, I know that's a thing, and I know in canon he's used that a couple times, but, like, I don't view your diamond ring as, like, this debilitating It's not the brass knuckles from William (laughs) Rigg. Right, yeah, it's it's like, you're right, whatever. Like, yeah, you might give me a nasty little welt, you know what I mean, in my unibrow area here, but, like, yeah, anyway, but that aside... The thing I'll never forget is his spot-on, perfect uh, imitation of John Moxley. Right, the shoulders, the like, hey, I'm gonna break every bone in your body, man. <laughs> like that thing, <laughs> just. And I love that Renee Paquette was even like, yeah, 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 you fucking jerk off, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. Um, but it just, it did leave me. He if it's the slow roll of like, I'm still an asshole, but I kind of like these cheers, right? Like, I I guess that kind of makes sense. So maybe there's more story to tell. Maybe like next week we'll get William Regal being like, what the fuck was that interview? Who the fuck are you? What what even are you? Right. And he's like, what do you mean? What am I like? I'm MJF. And he's like, yeah, but what is MJ? You know, like roll down the line with however you would write that. But I don't know. I just, it felt filler. And maybe that's what it was. It felt to me that it was a caricature of a babyface played by MJF. Hey guys, let's do my catchphrase. Hey, it's mid. It felt like staying in kayfabe. It was MJF saying, "By all of my observations of these people that I fucking hate called babyfaces, this is what they would say." Yeah, 
And so, or maybe he's just that. He's like, look how stupid they are. Like you can just lead them on. He's like, I'm even telling them, I don't like them. I'm a bad guy, but yeah, they'll just fucking cheer me because I say cheer with me now. Fucking idiots. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I thought caricature of a baby face. I get where we're going, but then Stokely Hathaway walks out, and Stokely Hathaway is like, hey, hey, let's fuck up some John Moxley, huh? And MJF's like, no. I don't want slaps to the mic it. out of his hand. Yeah. Whap. Don't don't stop it. And he's like, you, for some reason, think that we're equals and we ain't. So cut the shit. Don't touch John Moxley. And then MJF says, here's my catchphrase. Stokely Hathaway grins, walks away. What do you think about that? The Stokely Hathaway thing is perplexing to me because this is twice they've done that. He's come out, been like, all right, guy, we're going to fuck this guy up. Right. And MJF fucking belittles him on national television in front of everybody mm-hmm. calls him a chump fucking gives him a titty twister says i'm gonna go fuck your wife later or whatever right does all that and stokely like you can tell in the moment is like bitch i fuck what like who the fuck do you think you are but immediately goes back to this like oh yeah everything, you know everything's cool so is stokely cataloging all this for an eventual F you to MJF, or is he just a well guy who can't remember we get, what happened five seconds ago? Well, we get that later after the our main event match. So we'll talk yeah. about that. Um, right. But that's the end of that segment. Uh, well, again, we'll touch on what happens in the main event. Um, but after that interview, we get a quick highlight package because, hey, remember, uh, Wardlow is your TNT champ. Remember that guy? He's standing next to Samoa Joe, who's a TV champ. Man, and I know War we like Joe. Wardlow. I know we like Wardlow before we get really? into this. And 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 uh, I mean, we've all, like, we liked the Wardlow story that they told. Mm-hmm. But again, it was MJF's story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, <clears throat> MJF did everything he could for Wardlow, if I got to say, right? And then Wardlow hasn't continued it on. I forgot the TNT title was a thing because Wardlow's carrying it. And we're just not, now, whether that's Wardlow or that's how we're telling the story of Wardlow as TNT champion, I guess we will find out in the long run, but maybe it's a little bit of both from my yeah, estimation. Let's just fast track. This is how I feel. Let's just fast track that Samoa Joe and Wardlow don't like each other and we're going to fight each other for the TNT championship. I'm tired of the war war Joe. No one fucking, no, it's not going to be swerving our glory where then they become tag team champs. I I don't want to, nor do I want every like tag team that comes together to have to come some up with some fucking like, yeah, I don't need Angelina name. Like I don't need that shit. I don't need it. I need those two to fight because they're big meaty men that like to slap meat. And that's what I want to see. Yes. Do it. I don't care. Bumping into each other. You know what I'm saying? And now I understand Ring of Honor is eventually going to get their own television show. That's where all roads are leading to. So you need talent over there. So Matt Taven and the kingdom, I understand their existence, but I don't give two shits about Matt Taven or Maria or my, I I do not care. Also, I saw this online while I was live tweeting and no, and I told you about this before we started recording. Some people are like sharing the photo of when Adam Cole was in the the kingdom and they want that to stop. Stop. 
stop. This goes for WWE too, because they're doing that whole bullet club bullshit. Stop with like sequels. This feels like the movie industry when they're like, you know, what's good. Saw two, you know, what's even better. Saw three. And then we have nine saw movies that all fucking suck. So fast and furious, fast and furious. Yeah. We're racing in space or whatever. It was a, uh, yeah, underground racing thing, and now we're with the Sharknado. Rock. Yeah, it's all <laughs> stupid. Like, stop it. Come up. At with least that was designed ideas. to be stupid. But yeah, that was a really, I mean. yeah, that was designed. But th- I don't want Adam Cole there. I don't want any of that happening. So fucking stop it. But the Kingdom, look, take your power bombs. Go to Ring of Honor. I'll watch you over there when I get some time. One thing though, I, I want to circle back to because we didn't do it, and I want to do a quick predictions. Chris Jericho's mystery opponent next week. Who you got? Who you picking in this whole former Ring of Honor champion person in a match with Chris Jericho? Because I, I really, I, I mean, like, I mean, you know, we've discussed Samoa Joe is always an easy answer to plug in, but I feel like he might be one of the final bosses mm-hmm. for Chris Jericho. So. Mm-hmm. I don't. The issue is I don't know who these ROH champions are. If I if I'm just being honest, I never ever once watched ROH as like a television show more than like going through the channels and being like, oh shit, ROH is on. I didn't realize mm-hmm. I get this channel. Um, so I just don't know who they are. Did Excalibur ever win that fucking thing? I don't fucking know. <laughs> is this Adam Cole? You think he's ready to come back? I. That's what I hope. I think a good shot in the arm would be Adam Cole comes back. He's the ring of honor, hopeful savior. And then that's something for a couple weeks. Okay. But kind of what you've said before when, with the whole Adam Cole, and the reason it's been flopping is like who Adam Cole shows up and we're like, Adam Cole, baby. And he lost Adam Cole, baby. And he lost. Well, baby, I mean, and he lost. <laughs> right, so I, well, that's why I kind of hope again? he wins. Cause uh, then, then I think this is just me. I think you can do Samoa Joe defends his TV championship against whoever it is, but then your main event of a Ring of Honor pay per view is this is what I would do champion Adam Cole Bebe taking on Chris Jericho, and that's your main event. You put the title on Adam Cole, then Jericho wins it at the pay per view. I'm going on the war path even harder now than Samoa Joe, who loses his TV championship, then goes after Chris Jericho, takes down this evil guy. There we are. We got Adam Cole over in Ring of Honor. We got Samoa Joe over in Ring of Honor. And then we got Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks over here in AEW. Because that's another thing. I don't want to see Young Bucks and Kenny Omega talking to Adam Cole. Do it on your YouTube show that I never watch over there. But separate those guys because i'm tired of that rehash shit too so separate that stuff as well anyhow that's my thought yeah good uh let's get into some big old violence here we get brian danielson taking on sammy guevara and brian danielson wore sammy guevara like a hat in this match he was just kicking his ass ends up getting a triangle and i think it was elbows to the skull and makes sammy guevara pass out so again I think that's the end, the exclamation point of Blackpool Combat Club and JAS. What do you think? Yeah, and yes, and I understand we were discussing earlier that, you know, we're we're telling the end of this story now. 
to separate them. Part of that is, all right, now we both beat them. Okay, so now who's better, uh, 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 right? Like, uh, But it just, it kind of, at this point I felt like, ah, didn't we do the story earlier in the night? <laughs> like, shouldn't this have been a delayed a week maybe or something, mm-hmm. I guess? I don't know. But maybe that's nitpicking. I mean, I thought it was fine. I thought Brian Danielson is going to work over Sammy Guevara, and that's cool. You know, we all yeah, like that. It's a, it's a good match. It's not going to be something that if I was in the crowd, I would be like, damn it, this sucks. I'm going to go get Correct. something. They're like, all right, cool. I can see Brian Danielson wrestling a match. And Sammy Guevara, to his credit, is a good wrestler as well. So this should be fun. But from a story perspective, the thing that we care about the most, yeah, it didn't really move the needle for us. What could move the needle for us, though, is we go backstage with Renee Paquette, and she's interviewing Ray Phoenix. And Ray Mm -hmm. Phoenix says, hey, tonight... Penta could be a double champ, but we could all be double champs because I am going to go for the All-Atlantic Championship. And before he gets to do his fun stuff, Christian and Luchasaurus walk up and Christian goes, boy, are you dumb? Did you not hear what we said? Luchasaurus is going to be the All-Atlantic Champion. So Ray Phoenix and Luchasaurus kind of have this you know, stare down. They faced each other a million times in tag matches. I don't think they've ever faced each other in singles competition, which is interesting, Uh, but they're looking and that's, I don't fact check. I'm just guessing, but they're looking at each other. At least here on American television. right? And here comes orange Cassidy with his backpack. Hey, you guys want this? Ah, all right. I'll fight both of you. So this is now the second time that orange Cassidy is seeing a beef between two people and just walks up and says, I'll fight you both. Because he did this on Rampage with Roosh and Tin, just appears behind a bar and says, I'll fight both of you. And now this one is actually about the all link to championship. And he looks at both of them and goes, I'll fight fits, both of you. It fits. Orange Cassidy doesn't give a shit. All right, so guys, will yeah. you shut up, man? Come on, man. Shut up. Yeah. Let's just, we'll, I'll see you next week. If I can yeah. Go over stupid. here and do my thing. Um, I, I like this. So now who wins the match? The thing with Luchasaurus being involved is right now the Luchasaurus character feels like he's got to win everything he's in. But if he wins this title, it would feel like it's only designed to then give it to Jungle Boy Jack Perry as the ultimate prize for beating Luchasaurus, which I don't hate any of that. So I won't hate if we go that way. But I also won't hate if... He's about to win it. Jungle Boy Jack Perry comes out and costs him the match, and Orange Cassidy lucks his ass into a victory. And that's probably where we're going, and that's fine, too. That's where I think we're going. I think we're eventually going to main event a Dynamite or Rampage with a lights-out match between Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. That's how we, hey, so Jungle Boy gets the victory, because if you recall, they did a lights-out match with Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole, Orange Cassidy got the victory, but because it's a lights-out match, it doesn't count on the record. So I think that's how we separate them is do a lights-out match between the two of them. Jungle Boy wins, but Luchasaurus actually doesn't lose, so then he can go after the TNT champion and all the stuff like that. The other thing I think is Ray Phoenix isn't going to win because as cool as my idea is, and I love my idea, and here's my pencil to prove it because I'd write it down. I actually did. There it is. I think what we're doing with the elite. I mean, we're going to paint by numbers here. We're going to do 
we're the elite. We never lost our trios championship. And then we're going to do death triangle versus the elite. And then we're going to get back on track with whatever the elite we're going to do with the trios championship. That's not my fear. Cause that's still going to be badass, right? Cause we're going to find out whatever the original plan was for the trios champions. But that seems like the safest, most layup option we have here. So, that's why I also don't think Ray Phoenix is winning this match. All right, Tim, you ready to do this together? It's right before the main event. So you know what that means? It's time, time for, for the, the women. women. Yes. Man, we had one week where it wasn't this way, but we got right <laughs> back on track, Tony. We got right back Thanks, on Tony. track, Tony Khan. Right here. Predictability. Women, women right here. Right before the main event. That's where they belong, right? Tony Khan, that's what you feel. Tell you what, that's weird. All right, so it's Rio taking on Jamie Hayter. And Rio... Okay, so Rey Mysterio has been wrestling for 20 years, and when Rey Mysterio wrestles Big Show, we root for Rey Mysterio, and some of us might even think Rey Mysterio is going to win the match. So from a casual wrestling perspective, we have seen small person beat big person. It's not out of the realm of possibilities, right? However, Rio doesn't have the fast, and I think I said this last week, doesn't have that fast, elusive striking ability, either from the top rope or, you know, around the ring like Rey Mysterio did to where I could believe Rio could win a match. So when Rio wrestled Jamie Hayter here, I was kind of looking at my watch going, well, let's get Jamie Hayter the win. And she did. She kicked Rio's ass. So Jamie Hayter gets gets that train rolling here. What do you think? So hot take time here. Uh Uh-oh. Rio, remember when we used to ask everybody, why are you still watching WWE. Why do you like it? Mm-hmm. Give me a reason why you like it. Don't give me a reason why you think, you know, well, you like this thing. I like this thing. No, tell me what you like about it. That's the question I will ask everybody about Rio. Just tell me why. Cause as you're saying, I don't see a move set that nobody else is doing. I don't see a charisma that nobody else has. I don't see a look that nobody else has outside of the fact of it being near skeletonish, and that's not to body shame, but it just if we're discussing a fighting promotion, we we didn't believe James Ellsworth had a legit shot in a match, right? He was brought mm-hmm. up this week. Um, he was. Why was he brought up? AJ Styles brought him up. Dominic Mysterio <laughs> said he was this generation's Eddie Guerrero. And they said, no, scratch that. Eddie Guerrero was that generation's Dominic Mysterio, which is a good line. Somebody wrote for him. Um, but AJ Styles was like, you're, he's like, you're none of that. He's like, you're this generation's James Ellsworth, which is funny because didn't AJ Styles lose to James Ellsworth? I think so. And, yeah. and isn't James Ellsworth like a child fucking predator? So like, why are we mentioning his name? Anyway, so um, with this real thing, it's just Why? Why do you care? Why do you pop when you see Rio? Because to me, 
as we've said before with the hold your hand wrestling style, the 205 live wrestling style, the Young Bucks wrestling style, I don't get why you think it's so impressive when it could have been fill in the blank person who did it, right? With the Young Bucks, you know, private party wrestling style of like, oh my God, he jumped to the top rope and he did a triple spinning over your ball sack plancha dive and he drop kicked the guy in the face. And it was like, cool, somebody else fucking did that on Dark. Like, they all can do that. It's impressive. Yes, I can't do it. But, like, it's it's not make me pop because, like, Legion of Doom is in the room all of a sudden because something unique and different is happening. It is so every single Japanese wrestling woman I've ever seen on American wrestling television is Rio. So, like, why do we suddenly be like, oh, my God, Rio? For fucking, it could have been anybody. You could have plucked any fucking person out of the back and got these same spots, got these same moments. So, I need somebody to explain to me, the chat, Twitter, hashtag tweet the table, tell me the specific things and you know what's not going to happen tom nobody's going to fucking answer this question because they don't have an answer for it rio sucks it's not that she sucks it's just that rio was just there right like rio is just it's just there it's just she's pedestrian it's yeah she's very very pedestrian yeah and and to your point one of the things that i always say about that style of wrestling where someone says do you understand the athleticism I always equate this to a diving catch in Major League Baseball. A diving catch is fucking hard to do at any level. However, every Major League Baseball outfielder can make a diving catch. Yes. yes. So it's not. They may not always complete it, but like they can physically accomplish it. Yeah. So when Aaron Judge makes the same diving catch that. Michael A. Taylor does it. Yeah, they should. That's that's the requirement of getting in the door. And so now when you're saying Rio does a a dive from the top rope. Yeah, I saw that at the local indie show. They all can do that. You know what I mean? Now, if you're saying in fact, they overdid it at the local indie show. Yeah. But if you're saying her charisma now, that's just something that maybe I'm missing. If you're saying she's so subjective. Yeah, and that's subjective. So if that's your reasoning, okay, but that's just not what we're seeing. Anyhow, she loses. <laughs> Jamie Hader wins. And after the match, Tony now, Storm's Jamie music Hader. Hits. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but to- Tony Storm's music hits, and she comes out. And again, because we give the women a blink of an eye amount of time, she holds the title up, and now it looks like it's going to be Tony Storm and Jamie Hader, which, by the way, why was Tony Storm dressed so provocative? Walking out there, Look, why man. were you in ring gear? You're not. You don't have a match tonight. Or just put some more clothes on. It was. It was. But that's the thing. Is like, okay, that was wrestling gear. You weren't in a wrestling match tonight. Now, I, I guess I. It's not too far from a stretch to say like, somebody's in gear. Like, hey, if you need me tonight, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Right. But the champ yeah. generally isn't. Right. The champ isn't showing up like ready to fight who you got tonight yeah. <laughs> it's just i don't but know i guess sometimes they I are right? thought, open challenges well i just thought she was dressed a little bit too provocative for this old prude on this side of the camera because i was like what's a shirt on 
Christ Tom, sake, lady. You fucking dived off yeah. of tables in local Kansas City bars. We don't need to hear your. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I'm 37 <laughs> now, okay? I'm sure you have pulled your ass out in many public establishments in the Kansas City metropolitan area. Oh, across the And whole might still. Country. We got a fucking yeah, weekend coming up. Yeah, I'm across this whole country, Atlanta, New York, Chicago, Houston, yeah, Houston. Uh, but we don't need to talk about that. What we do need to talk about is the next thing that happened. A-Town stands for ass, you know what I'm saying? All right. I lived there for a while. Uh, we do need to talk about the next segment because I thought this was interesting. Hmm. Renee Paquette is backstage <laughs> doing an interview. But this time, it doesn't get interrupted. Because she's what? interviewing Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Kingston says, or hold on, let me back up. Renee Paquette says, hey, last week. Are you okay? Your whole group of friends did a pseudo intervention. How you feel about that? And Eddie does like a ventriloquist, like I'm doing fine, and does this fake smile as he essentially says, hey, leave me alone. That was fine. That was cool. My two best friends are wrestling tonight. I can't wait to watch it. But the thing I want you all to leave with is to leave me alone after this interview. So what do you make of this Eddie Kingston existential crisis or what's going on? I kind of I picked up on the fact that he mentioned his two best friends because I felt like he kind of almost did it in a bit of a like I'm I'm a little I'm salty towards them right now and maybe that's what plays into something later that we'll discuss um, later in the show of course but mm-hmm. I just yeah I kind of got that feeling of like it's that it's the person who got an intervention but was nowhere near ready to hear that. And so if we recall from that segment from Rampage, because we typically don't do a segment by segment breakdown of Rampage. But if we recall from that segment, it was an intervention. There was Santana. uh, No, excuse me. There was Ortiz. uh, I believe Ruby Soho and Lucha Bros. And they're talking about how, hey, Eddie, it seems like you're losing your cool quicker than normal. But then Pac appears and Pac kind of gives him a side eye and then no uncertain terms is essentially saying to him you a bitch what are you doing and just walks off now eddie kingston goes to this interview and says leave me alone i'm curious to see not that he would get a disciple but our Pac and eddie kingston oh, becoming best friends because God, they're a, bastards a Pac and eddie kingston fuck you up tag team might be just, some of the best shit I've ever seen on television. Just the grumpiest. They could do a, a remake of grumpy old men, except for they're not old. And it's just, Oh, Kingston we need a segment of Eddie Kingston and Pac arriving that day to prepare for this episode of dynamite and everything's going wrong. Security yep. won't let him in yep. car to flat tire on the way. Mm-hmm. The Hadrian's stickers they asked for on their writer aren't in the, yep. in the thing. The the water is lukewarm and not slightly chilled like asked for. 
Coffee's uh, not no, made. Can't get the game on the TV, right? Like everything's going wrong to where they're just like, I'm going to fucking stab somebody in the neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just oh, mad. Hey, everybody's like, chill, yeah. guy. They're like, you fucking tell me to chill. Tonight I'm kicking your ass. Yeah. And then they go, hey, Eddie, uh, opponent change. Uh, you know, oh, Sammy Guevara didn't show up this week. He just, God damn it. You know, I turned out fucking day for him. Now I got to fight fucking, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Private party number two. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But then you should have them fight each other, right? Grumpy off. like a, Oh, a yeah, because off. they're just so grumpy. But I even like the idea of, like, they're so grumpy they hate each other, but they just fight and they're like, are you fucking done? Fucking can we move on? <laughs> right? And they're still, they just still go on hating each other, but, like, tag teaming together. Yeah, I I don't know. They're like, this listen, I hate everything, but if I, if I could trust one thing, is that he fucking hates everything, too. So, like, <laughs> we're going to fucking go at it. <laughs> yeah. I, just with Eddie Kingston, I have raved about everything he's done in AEW because nothing feels like a reset or a okay and now this program is with this everything rolls into the next thing with eddie kingston it is a it is a fluid storytelling with his character so this part is very interesting because there is no in ring hey someone interrupted your match or you know you were walking back after you lost the match and someone was doing a promo and they looked at you sideways. So now we're going after CM Punk. None of that. This is a, my friends are telling me that I'm a psychotic asshole. So do I double down or do I say I need help? That's interesting to me. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what we do next with me too. More Eddie Kingston on my TV for one. Look for every minute that Jericho gets, we need to double it with Eddie Kingston. And so like, Eddie Kingston, Miro, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs. Put those four instead of Jericho, and I'm fucking fine. Like JS, yeah. those four, that's what I need. But we what we get is the main event. So now it is the AEW World Championship match. A hot shotted segment with John Moxley as your champion, taking on Pinta El Zero Miedo. And this is fun because I like that, again, not fact-checking here, but I don't think I've ever seen John Moxley and Penta wrestle each other, and we just get it for a championship. Huh? How much yes. fun is that? Yes, except kind of what you alluded to earlier. If I'm your brother-in-law, and I'm just tuning into this AW Dynamite because like, I like that guy, Tom. I want to connect more with the guy, Tom. Let me watch mm-hmm. this thing. And I've been watching it for four weeks now. Mm-hmm. Or let's say let's say I decided this and and you've got me hooked now. I'm tuning in for I'm I'm fresh in AW. John Moxley's your guy for, for five months now, right? Mm-hmm. Why does Pentel Zero Miano get a, a title shot here? What singles well, match have we even seen him in in the last five months? Right? I get what he said. Like I want somebody with no fear, and then well, somebody with no fear. But like I just. You know, it's one of those, it was like, I, I, and and I like it too, right? Like, I, I've said this where like, hey, we just might get a random match between people that we didn't even think of, but it just felt like it, It. I guess we've always said the champion can at any moment say, putting it on the line against you, fucking like you guy, but I still think I'm going to kick your ass. So, mm-hmm. and John Moxley is that guy. He's like, whoever, yeah. fucking, you ready? That is his character. Put seven yeah. of you. I don't give a shit. So I just don't remember how we got there. Did Penta say, well, I'm the guy with no fear? Or did he say like, yeah, just so this is again where we need to utilize our TV time, I think, better because it was a YouTube exclusive, I believe. But John Moxley's backstage 
doing an interview where he's like, Hey, I'm champ and I I need to stay active. So I need someone that's going to push me to the limit. I need someone with no fear. And then Penta shows him. He's like, Hey, what's up? And then they fight. So, and that's that we, we will deride WWE about a lot of things, but what they do right is, and I know people have said this all the time is like, you keep telling me what you did last week. Like I get it. I watched last week. Yeah. Well, you watched last week. But, like, our ratings fluctuate, so not everybody watches every fucking week. Mm-hmm. And they're going to tune in longer if we remind them of what – or show them what happened so they understand that, like, they don't have to watch every week, right? And so some of that kind of catch-up – because that takes 20 seconds, right? That little segment that you told me there probably and happened just as fast as it took you to tell, tell me. I think that's how we should have kicked off the show. I think that would have been a better button – you know, start to finish of the episode is if Moxley just hate. comes to the ring and just says, open challenge. I need to fight someone. Penta says, check me out. And then the tonight, that's our I, main event. I don't even hate what TNA used to do of the like last week on AEW Dynamite. Oh, right? yeah. Of a rundown. Because even if this were a real, as we discussed, let's jump into the kayfabe world. We're just tuning on. This is all real. It's not fake. It's not pre-scripted. We're watching a professional fighting organization. If it was this zany, they would probably do that too, right? Like the NFL goes, oh, last week the Chiefs lost to the Bills at whatever, right? So now they're playing fuck like, the are Bills. they going to rebound? Yeah, fuck the Bills. But you know what I mean? Like they're going to like, you know what I mean? They're going to be like, are they going to come back and pound the ever-loving shit out of the 49ers? They did. Well, you know what I mean? They, they kind of run back a, here's what's happened up to this point. So a little That's more true. of that, right? I, I yeah. don't hate that at all. Because, oh. look, I mean, a theme song's cool, but I'd prefer that over a theme song, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at every NFL broadcast. The NBC broadcast last season was Al Michaels telling you about yeah. uh, the two teams going into the, tonight's game. And then Chris Collinsworth became famous for like sliding in. And it's like, this is my analysis of the two teams. So, yeah, do something like that. We watch every week and we talk about it the next day. And we have a podcast and I cut this audio up and, and show these videos onto YouTube and do all kinds of shit. I still forget what happened last week sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I might need a little like, hey, remember when this guy punched the other guy in the face and go, oh, yeah. You know what could help AEW is remember back in the 90s. This was way more prevalent during the Attitude Era than what I can recall now. I don't remember much about the 90s, but yeah. <laughs> but do you recall when WWE would do a you know uh, rewind power slam presented by you know 1-800-COLLECT? And it would just yes. be that quick thing, and then we get it. That they may need some like, presented that. by the Spanish announce table. What up? Hit us I up, got Tony. A dollar. Yeah, Tony, I got a dollar. Hey, if people give us a tootsie roll, I'll send you that. Yeah, and hey, uh, I got ideas. Anyhow, um, so yeah, we get MJF Pinta. My favorite thing from this match is, and I said this again on our Twitter, and I stand by it one hundred percent. We need Pinta in a different hat every week. Penta and hats is my favorite thing. Yeah. Penta and hats. <laughs> Cause he does a little bit of, um, Oh, who was the guy in WCW with the chairs, the luchador that always had the chairs. La Parka. La Parka. He has a little bit of La Parka when he puts the hat on. He's like, ah, look at this. I'm styling. I don't know whose hat he had. I, he grabbed it from the crowd, but he put it on. But if you recall the greatest moment, in AEW television history, was the St. Patrick's Day Slam and Penta put on the leprechaun hat. That's the best moment in yeah. wrestling history. 
And so we need more of it. I think... That was better than but, Michael's Undertaker. It was better no, than the Ric Flair retirement. It was better than any lights out. Hogan Slam and Andre. MJF promos. Yeah, it's Penta in the Leprechaun hat. I think we just need to have Penta. You don't even need to feature him, right? Let's just say we're walking around the back. Britt Baker and Soraya get into it again. And they're blah, 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 And he just walks with a cowboy hat yeah. <laughs> that's this week it's got a train hat. conductor hat on one day for some reason <laughs> that's what i want yeah. Pinta in a hat it's my favorite thing oh man so that's great that's great so um i will say this though i'm getting more into pinta's career because i'm taking an interest in him uh as noted by um his action figure i got right there look at that uh, but I saw his match where it was mask versus mask in triple a that Pinta and this Pinta are two different guys. That Pinta in triple a is this world beater destroyer of worlds. Like he's still Pinta, but like his offense is more meaningful when he does an impactful move. It fucking kills you. Here, he's doing his package pile drivers and Moxley kicks, kicks out of two. Now, again, Moxley's your champion, but we need to. I mean, did you see? Have you seen the photo from Pinta at AAA where his yeah, I've thing seen the is photo. covered in blood? And he's holding the mask. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the Pinta yes. we need a little bit more of because that motherfucker is who we love. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I Pinta is. Is a person that I wouldn't mind seeing in the world title picture. I wouldn't hate seeing there, especially as it were. We shit on this Abraham Alba, whatever his fucking name is. Uh, he's great in this role. I, I've come to like this guy a lot. If you have mm-hmm. Penta just with him, even if Ray Phoenix is off for a while or something, I think Penta could be a world title level guy. Wow. I think he's and that think charismatic he- in the ring and is and is unique enough and just has, like you said. Even though he has a unique thing in Penta, it's blossomed into this Penta El Cerro Miedo, Penta Oscuro, Penta. Uh, what was the first thing he was? It was Penta Pentagon Junior, right? I think yeah, is what yeah. they called him when he first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yes, more Penta. If we dug into it and really did a deep dive on it, I wouldn't hate. It's just this that we got. It was just kind of like, well, why did he get? Why like why wasn't there again? If this was a real fighting organization, why isn't Christian going, hey, Luchasaurus deserves that. Fuck you. Yeah. I will say with Pinta as your heavyweight champion, in the history of AEW, eventually you're going to get a non-white dude. (laughs) And are you? Well, hopefully. And I think the first luchador who should be champion is an AEW original in Pinta. I think that should be something that happens sooner rather than later but all of that to say it was a good match moxley wins after the match john moxley is attacked by the firm security comes out they go to a backstage shot uh alex marvez doesn't know how to break a lock apparently or doesn't have bolt cutter whatever he's always just helpless peeing on himself and blackpool combat club is stuck in their locker room they got bolted in right and so then, ah, the firm's going to keep kicking his ass. Earlier in the night, Eddie Kingston said, leave me alone, which kind of meant I'm leaving you alone too. Maybe. I don't know. Kind of 
you would have thought Eddie Kingston would have ran out to kick someone's ass, but he didn't. Well, unless like what I said, where he kind of said, where he mentioned his best friends because he was kind of like, I don't like what they said. Bitch, to I ain't, I ain't, yeah, yeah, right. Like we got problems now. Mm-hmm. So this all leads to MJF coming out and he looks conflicted. Ah, oh, what do I do? I need him at a hundred percent because I want to do it the right way, but it's fun to kick his ass. What do I do? Ah, I got to do the right thing. So he runs in, looks at Stokely Hathaway. He's like, I told you. Stokely's like, what are you talking about? Come on. And then MJF says, you're fired. And we get the ass beating that we have not seen MJF take in AEW history. W. Morrissey hits him with the big boot. Ethan Page does the razor's edge or whatever he calls it. Boom. He throws him, though. Like, Scott Hall would go down with you. Ethan Page says, touch the lights and boom, come down. Like, that's scary shit. Uh, the ass boys beat him up. Uh, Cisco jumps from the top rope and hits his move. Uh, I don't know his name. What's his name? Lee? Yeah. Something? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cisco. Lee Cisco. Lee Cisco. Uh, and then Morrissey then choke slams MJF through the table. And that's how we leave you. So I have to ask, as I mentioned, I took away that the promo was a cosplayer of a baby face. However, Yep. So MJF has said when he came back, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing you that he never existed. However, that was a ass beat. You know what I mean? It wasn't like when Chris Jericho turned on the inner circle and he was just doing like the kind of half kicks and then they came in and he turned on Santana and Ortiz. Like that one made sense because those kind of didn't look like real kicks, right? This was throwing you up, slamming you down. So what do you think? We getting a swerve or we getting a baby? <clears throat> yeah, I don't turn? know. Could this all be a ruse to make Moxley feel like uh, MJF's got nobody now? And then and then he thinks uh, this, this crew's coming out to fuck with MJF and no, they're out to fuck with him. Maybe. I mean, MJF is always that character where – just what you think isn't possible might happen. But I don't get the feeling we're going with that. But I also, if we're not, what the fuck does that mean then? (laughs) Because, again, isn't Moxley the biggest face in the company? Mm -hmm. Or is MJF? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what to do, make of this, which is kind of fun, but it's also kind of confusing. I agree. Breaking kayfabe for a quick second. If you paid attention to the dirt sheets or you listened to Moxley outside of AEW television, he told you, hey, after that punk match at All Out, I was supposed to get a vacation. So. Sorry, right, that was supposed for, to be his last day, he said. yeah, For like six weeks, right? So, I believe after full gear, Moxley's going to get that vacation because, God damn it, I deserve the vacation. Of course. Which would then leave, who's your top baby face? Insert MJF. As I said, with the pencil in my hand, if you have the elite cost John Moxley the title... You could have the elite go after Claudio, Yuda, and Danielson while Moxley 
recovers from injuries in kayfabe, right? Recovers from injuries. You still have three on three, Yuta, Danielson, Claudio, the elite, right? There you go. And then when Yuta isn't holding up his end of the bargain, John Moxley comes back and we're going to do the three BCC guys versus the elite, right? There you go. And then right here, you have your ready-made first title contender for MJF. MJF is a baby face. He did it the right way, at least to what he thought, right? Because he did cheat, right? If the elite cost Moxley the championship, that's not on MJF. He didn't cheat. I just took an opportunity. I did it the right way. I did it. I did it the way that's honorable. Anybody would have pinned the guy if somebody just beat them up, win the championship. And so you have MJF win the championship. Hey, I did it the right way. I earned this. You can't take it away from me. Your first title contender is W Morrissey, big tall guy versus MJF. MJF can make fun of Enzo and all of the stuff. He still cuts him down, all that fun stuff. And what I would do, right? And what I would do that I think is interesting with the MJF character is you have him as the baby face, right? So he's making fun of Morrissey. Hey, uh, you're seven foot. You can't teach anything because you're, you know, mentally challenged or whatever. He says all the stuff, right? But as he goes through people, right? So it's Morrissey. Then let's just say for fun, it's Ethan page. Then we transition out to Lance Archer, right? Like hangman did it. Right. So we're going to all this, but as he's winning, it's becoming slimmer and slimmer. Each time he wins, it becomes a little bit closer to where he's like, and you start to see the, hey, motherfuckers, I'm the devil. And he goes back to being a heel while staying champion. That's what yeah. I would like to see. Is yeah, them- which, is, which has been done a few times in wrestling history, but it, it is a difficult thing to pull off of a, a heel turn while champion, right? Like, any kind of turn heel or face turn champion, but even this heel turn as champion is, is difficult, but I think MJF is primed to be a guy to do that. You know who the last person that I can remember that did that. It was a raw anniversary show. The rock comes out to Mm. help as big show and Kane are taking out John Cena and champion CM Punk for then the rock to do his people's elbow and CM Punk hits him with a clothesline. Mm-hmm. That's all to say my prediction, you fucking marks, is that by the time MJF loses the championship, it's going to be to one C M Punk. He's coming Ugh. back after he's injured. He's going to, I think he's coming in as a heel. I think we're going to do the heel turn. And then right as MJF, you know, is going to do the right thing. Lights go out, go to sleep. We're running. Tony Khan is not missing out on the goddamn effort he put into writing that storyline. And he's going to get that one, whether he's a rich kid that's always gotten his way. So he's going to make his toys do what he wants. And he's going to bring CM Punk back and CM Punk and MJF are going to run this back because that's what he wants. I mean, I just the, the, the behind the scenes pulling the curtain back thing is that CM Punk is nearly impossible to fucking deal with. So, but you know, what doesn't happen. You know, what's better. You know, what's better than that money beating WWE, having the fucking, I pulled this off. Triple H couldn't Vince man. Couldn't 
Tony Khan is a petty motherfucker. I like him. He's a weird guy. He's always been a rich kid, but he's petty. And he's, he talks about, you know, he's petty when he talks about how he wants to win Dave Meltzer's promoter of the year. No one fucking cares about these made up things. I, one of the best lines you've ever said in this podcast is Tony Khan's a petty motherfucker. I like him, <laughs> I do. I do, but he's petty. He is a petty motherfucker. And so he's going to make yeah. his toys. These wrestlers do what he wants. And I told you this offline, the biggest match in IWC currently that you can make is Kenny Omega versus CM Punk. And by God, well, Tony listen, Khan's going to make that happen. Outside of even that Telling happening, him. one of the best stories of ever, if we can, if we can refocus it back in was it's all centered around this devil idea. I'm the devil. I'm the devil. I'm a snake. I'm a whatever. Right. He used CM Punk's words against him. Well, then it would only be true that CM Punk would be like, no, I'm the devil. You're the apprentice. You. Yeah. You're the prince. I am the devil. And that's why he comes back as the heel. Cause one, we hate him, right? He's going to be booed. He might get cheered the first time. Cause we always love to cheer whatever the fuck it is. Right. Well, but then the next time again, yeah. But then the next time he's getting booed. And so you bring him Most in. Guys as a with weird right tattoos off. that'll just love CM Punk no matter what he does. Of course. That's yeah. Death taxes and weirdos. That's if somebody all. right now today is, is on a TikTok or talking to you and they're like, no, no, CM Punk was in the right or whatever. Ask them to show you their tattoos. Cause they're going to have some weird tattoos guaranteed fucking 110, 10 times out of nine, 10 times out of nine. <laughs> so I, that's my prediction. I, cause again, he is what's being reported. And there was a picture where he was in a brace of his arm that he tore a bicep or tricep of his arm. So that's going to take time. And as you know, the, fr- the phrase is time heals all wounds. And as they're fighting to get the Triple H led WWE back into their, you know, uh, range to where maybe they could do it, the thing that's going to take them over the top is that fucking heel bastard that every, because that's the other part of CM Punk that we haven't got yet is the best CM Punk ever in any promotion, Ring of Honor, WWE, whatever it is, is the heel. The heel asshole. Mm hmm. We don't want to see play the hits, love you tour. That's done. You bring him back as who he is, and you're making yeah. money. Give me more straight edge society CM Punk than I'm happy to be back CM Punk, and it's a lot better television. And I think if we're being honest, and maybe this is just my feelings alone, but that's the reason why ratings didn't skyrocket after CM Punk debuted is it was an initial shock. Awesome. But, but it wasn't really about, CM Punk, but it after the CM three, Punk character that we knew. Yeah. After about three weeks, it was the, I want the love tour and he just went around getting all the applause, but that ain't what we came to see. That's not what we signed up for. When we said we want CM Punk to come back, CM Punk fucking over MJF is what has to happen. People, yeah, people called him the voice of the voiceless, right? They wanted like, they wanted that, and we got everybody clap for this. Hey, 
guys, I'm happy. No one fucking cares. Now, to me, it was just because he was never really actually the voice of the voices. I, I think the Triple H promo at the end of the CM Punk and WWE era where he lit into him was one of the most honest promos we've ever heard in our lives where he's like, you didn't give a shit about this. You're not the voice of like you. The only change you wanted was your name at the fucking card, which means you're just like everybody you fucking complained about. Mm-hmm. I, look, we dog on Triple H for some of his things, and we tell people like, "Hey, listen, like don't don't overinflate. Like you don't got to blow smoke up his ass." But he was right in that moment, and he fucking laid it in. Um, but that's what we want to see. We want to see that disillusional guy. Who thinks he's better than everybody else, but he's not. <laughs> but you can't tell him that, and that's not what exactly. we were getting. I mean, until we got it in real life, and then it was too right. much. Until we got right. it when we couldn't see it. We yeah. we got it in, in folklore and legend, where it was this fight where a dog lost his teeth or something, and we didn't see anything. You know what I mean? Best goddamn matches in wrestling happened behind the camera, man. I'll tell you what. Kali that's what and I Big Show. Yeah, so that's Larry what I in the door. Mark it down. CM Punk after injury comes back. Now, here's the part that I don't know. As I mentioned, I think the match to make that gets all, all IWC up in a frenzy is Kenny Omega versus CM Punk. However, CM Punk's body has proven not to be reliable for two big matches in a row. So we might get through the MJF thing, and then he might legitimately have to be like, Guys, the doctors say, I'm fucked. I can't do this anymore. It couldn't be any better if he wins the title third time and then immediately has to fucking oh. give it up. He's the only guy <laughs> that, at least in my memory, has never defended the championship. Because that yeah. was a title versus title. It wasn't a defending of a championship. Uh, so, yeah, he's won the title twice and never defended it. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's fun. All right, yeah, Dynamite was good. I mean, again, I thought yeah, there was there was a few good us, spots. It was just it gets you know, us to the next week, right? I think that's right. Um, look, we don't have a we're running out of time here, so we'll speed this up and we'll go directly to tweet the tables because this will kind of encompass our WWE discussion for the week. And we've got at Katie First Lady who says, "Who would have thought that both Rey Mysterio and The Rock's kids would have been so emo?" Hashtag tweet the table. So yeah, we got Ava. Ava Rain. Ava Rain. Which made, I will say this, it made mainstream attention. Yes. TMZ's talking about it. USA Today is talking about it. I just hate the, I know when we say, well, I didn't want to use my famous pro wrestling heritage family's name, right? Whatever it is, because I wanted to make a name for myself. So it's not. You know, Sarah Johnson, whatever her name is, right? It's mm-hmm. not The Rock's daughter. It's Ava Rain. But if we go, it's Ava Rain, The Rock's daughter. Well, then we just did that. So why don't we just say the it's The thing- Rock's daughter? You know what I mean? Like right. The Rock's daughter wouldn't be named with the or last the name of The Rain. The only thing I will give them the benefit of the doubt on, and I don't know anything about that segment. Like I saw it, but it looks like it's a cult. Right? It is. Joe it's Gacy. like a weird, yeah, yeah, schism is what they call it. Okay. So it's Joe Gacy, name. who was awesome in Evolve. I love hey, Joe he's good Gacy here too. in Evolve. Yeah. Is he? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I've I mean, he's the same kind of shtick where he's 
Like, well, with this chick, he's he's a cult leader, crazy, and I mean, he, you know, okay, he's good at what he does, so he's pulling it off well. Hold on, pause. We've got another cult in WWE. I mean, yeah, this is more. This is more of your like Koresh type cults where it's like gaslighting into doing my dirty work, but you think it's for some kind of weird good cause kind of thing from the, again, correct me if I'm wrong. We don't fact check. I don't watch NXT week in and week out, but I've tuned in a couple times over the last several weeks. And that's the feel I get from this. And he's, you know, it's one of those like. It's schism, right? The schism is out to get you. I don't even fucking. It's so. But this is what we're going to talk about because Katie said, "Uh, "Who would have thought they're so emo, right?" Because that's what she's in. She's in this cult. It's emo group, and yeah, Rey Mysterio's Dominic. He's in the Judgment Day, and he's emo. This is kind of what we've warned you about. Triple H. We called it spooky or leather and stuff, but uh, you could roll all of that into emo, right? Carrying cross. Mm Bray Wyatt. We've got Nikki Cross coming back as crazy Nikki Cross. It may mm-hmm. not be chains and leather Sanity. crazy Nikki Cross, but yeah. it's it's a little Adjacent. something's not right. Right. right? Uh, hey, look. Fuck. All these emo... By the way, every emo person is, I think, they want to be <laughs> what care. Randy Orton... Yeah, I know. I'm not saying this. They want to be what Randy Orton is. Right? Like... Little bit dark, little bit mysterious, probably like some snakes, right? We've heard that about Randy Orton, like, mm-hmm. but he's charismatic and cool, and thereby you're kind of drawn to the like the what's the mysterious parts, right? Like you're so cool, like right, like what you're into snakes, that's weird, right? But but when you're not six foot fucking fourteen like Randy Orton and look mm-hmm. like a fucking statue, uh, it's it the snakes. And the sad broodingness is not cool, right? It, it He makes it cool because he's Randy Orton. You, you make it a, weird because yeah. you fucking hang out under the steps with the other dorks and you dye your well, hair you, purple. Yeah, Randy Orton <laughs> gets it to where people are doing uh, op-eds on him in, like, the New York Times. When you do it, you're getting the cops called on you for domestic disturbance. You got real scared when I was about to categorize every emo person. <laughs> You're like, every emo, okay. You're like, hey, oh, this, is him. this is Tim saying <laughs> this. This is not me. <laughs> uh, but here's what I'll say is, yes, yes, right? The Darian Cross, um, who's who's uh, feuding with uh, Miz? Who's the guy? Oh, Dexter, uh, Dexter Loomis. Loomis. Yeah, so you got Karrion Cross, Dexter Loomis, Bray Wyatt, Joe Gacy, Nikki Cross, and this is what I will say. And maybe I'm an apologist for AEW. Whatever. I like it. It's my favorite show. But we love to say, what's with all these factions in AEW? Well, I'll tell you this. It's more believable for me to think that wrestlers have friends than that everyone's a fucking cult leader. Like, of, yes. of the two things, I'm going to pick wrestlers have friends. Friends versus leading a strange cult. Yeah. And, like, I just, yeah, I I do want to give credit to WWE in this, in in kind of what we derided folks earlier with the Bray Wyatt situation and what we hope does not happen with the Young Bucks all eat thing, is we got Johnny Gargano and The Miz saying, Johnny Gargano's back saying, like, hey, all you've got to do is do the thing. And Miz is like, all right, goddammit, you said that, but, like, what is it? What is it you think you know? And he's like, hey, I don't think I know. You know what it is. 
you know what it is. And then he's like, no, like, tell me. Later, whatever happens, Candace LeRae gets injured by damage control, so Miz gives him a card. He's like, hey. He's like trying to buddy-buddy up to him now, right? Like, tell me what you know, right? And he's like, sorry, we saw what happened. Maurice and I got you, got this get well card for, for Candace. Like, sorry, buddy, you know? And he's like, all right. And he's like, maybe we can talk this out later. And he's like, it's not going to work, Miz. You just got to be honest. He opens the card and he's like, it's fucking empty. He's like, you, you didn't even fucking sign it. He's like, you're rich. Put money in this fucking, <laughs> like, like, you know? And he's like, listen, if you don't fucking tell the truth, I'm telling the truth next week, right? This is how you do it, right? We got one week saying, tell the truth and he's like fuck you what's the truth next week he's like fuck you what's the truth he's like you know what the truth is no i don't all right well then fuck you i'm telling it next week right we got one thing one week we got the next thing next week next week i'm assuming we're getting the fucking truth right like so i want to commend them for that right yeah i want to shit on them all times i I will i will uh play devil's advocate here and say uh you know who's not saying these things Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis, yeah. That's the problem with this Dexter Loomis character. I I like the whatever, but it almost feels like the Dexter Loomis character should be used by somebody yeah. to further. If Johnny them. Gargano is gonna say, This is my buddy, he doesn't talk, okay, right? Then you got like a uh you could even go comedy and do like a Jay and Silent Bob kind of thing, right? 100%. But we had five weeks, six weeks of this guy fucking breaking into Miz's house where he has or kids. Or me out. And You've got spooky carrying cross. So maybe he's got spooky Dexter Loomis taking people out for him on the side, right? Like, yeah. like kind of what you said. Not yeah. everybody's a cult leader, but like Dexter Loomis feels like a guy who would be in a cult, right? Yeah. Like being led by a guy in a cult. So if you're going to have some cults, let's put him in a cult. Like it just, yeah, I will get you. It's not perfect. But I want to commend them on that as an example yeah. of what we would like in these other storylines, the Bray Wyatt's. Yeah. Hopefully but to go back situation. to the Rock's daughter, the reason why uh, I'm okay with Ava Rain is because if she's in a cult, it would make sense that she's like, I don't like my name. I'm not a Johnson. I'm not the Rock's daughter. I'm Ava Rain. You know, and does that shit. Yeah. What I, I, you know what I mean? don't think we've gotten in pro wrestling history. And this is not a great outlook for Ava Rain, daughter of the Rock. Is what we have gotten is we'll get somebody who's charismatic, who's a who's a, a star, a la Rocky Johnson, whose kid becomes one of the biggest fucking stars we've ever seen. Right? We've gotten mm-hmm. that with some second generation, third generation folks, whatever. But what Warden. we've never got is like Shawn Michaels' kid also became one of the top five wrestlers ever in history right stuff like that oftentimes yeah. skips a generation you know what i mean yeah. like it just isn't i, I Rocky don't Johnson. i don't have a whole lot of hopes that this ava rain is suddenly going to be like bigger than charlotte in the that's in the what i was thinking does that make sense right now there's yeah, a whole rick lot of flair, time to tell but yeah rick flair and charlotte would be the example of what you're trying to replicate but usually it's and I like, yeah, but Rocky even at that, I would tell you that Charlotte didn't reach the levels of well, wrestling but stardom that Ric Flair did, but nobody has maybe outside of also five because, people, maybe. Yeah. Well, but also because media has changed and not everyone has channel four and that's it. So it's even harder to break through with everything because sure. yeah, someone yeah, yeah. famous to me, you may not even know about because it's in my world and we break off into 10,000 fragments. But anyhow, what I was going to say is usually what happens is it's 
mid-card talent, and I like Rocky Johnson, but let's all be honest, he was mid-card talent. He wasn't main eventing WrestleManias, right? But it's mid-card talent, and then they have a kid, and check him out, it's the new uh, Cowboy Bob Orton was a mid-card talent. Exactly. And then Randy Orton was the fucking shit. Rocky Johnson was a mid-card talent. And then The Rock. So it usually doesn't, it works that way. It doesn't go. Yeah. Because, like, hear me out. I, I mean, I think, like, we've got Dusty Rhodes. Cody Rhodes has gotten a main event talent, but nobody, as of right now, if Cody Rhodes' career ended, is thinking Cody Rhodes is a top 10 guy of oh, all time. No. But people and, list Dusty Rhodes in that, mm-hmm. in that vein. And you would say, uh, Cody is just using Dusty's name. Like he's now maybe here's a good argument and we're getting off topic a little bit here, but I would say, I would argue, I would argue not to the same levels, but just as over, uh, Dusty Rhodes, gold dust, gold dust got over fucking huge, but that's just a, that's an outlier. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where I'm like, I'm like, great. I mean, Ava Jones would probably give us some good stuff. She's got good pedigree, obviously. Ava Rain. Sorry. What did I say? Johnson. Oh yeah. Ava Rain. It's Simone Johnson. Ava Rain. Um, I believe it's Simone Johnson. I don't fact check. Fuck. You look it up. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, (laughs) It's just, it's that, right? I'm like, great. This will be fine. But I'm not expecting The Rock out of Ava Rain, which is only fair, right? Like it's unfair to hold somebody to those expectations. But that's going to be the comparison people make for the rest of their career. And I think that's where you get sort of this. They don't measure up because I like you kind of see it live with Cody Rhodes. Maybe they're trying too hard to be that. Well, yes. And I would say, again, using the gold dust uh, playbook is if you want to get over and not be the son or daughter of famous person, you've got to do a complete 180. You can't be adjacent to your father or mother. You have to do gold dust trying to kiss Razor Ramon, right? That was nothing like Dusty Rhodes, and that got him over. So hopefully maybe that's what they're thinking is Ava Rain's going to drink the blood of Bailey or something. I don't know, but like she can't try to do the eyebrow and the stuff because then it'll never work. She's just a, you know. Yeah. I mean, at some point you may be able to do that as a fun gimmick, right? Like, but as like an offshoot for a side comedy. Oh, thing, it ha- right? yeah. 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 The only time she could ever do that is like. She comes out with some sideburns and some fucking or just like at sweatpants. The, <laughs> at the end of a segment with her biggest rival, as they both walk off from an interview, she gives the eyebrow and then that's it. Like, okay. Yeah. But that, yeah. Right. Anyhow. Yeah. WWE's boring. I think that's, yeah, that's kind of where I felt this week, too. I was like, I know there wasn't much to talk about, so I'm glad Katie brought up the few things maybe that were worth talking about, and we encourage you to do the same by using hashtag TweetTheTable. And unless Tom is about to interrupt me with any more WWE topics, I think we'll leave it there and remind you, before you come back to episode 407 of the Spanish Announce Table, our advice to you is just stop being emo. The Spanish Announce Table.